This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, the great hero of the faith and founder of the church. He, he, he was writing to his spiritual son, a man named Timothy, to encourage him to hold on carefully to the truth that he had been trusted with. And it says this, starting in chapter 3, verse 14. It says, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know that they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Let's pray as we get started. God, we thank you for this morning. Open our eyes to your truth. Open our eyes to your scriptures today. God, we want to hear from you. We are here on purpose. God, whatever brought us here today, we are here. The hard work is done. Now we just need to encounter you and meet you. And, and so, God, we, we know that you're here. We know you're real, that you're good. You love us and you lead to peace. And so, God, we just ask that you would make us even more aware of your presence. Because we want to be different. We want to be changed. We, we don't want to leave the same way we came. And so, God, we ask that you would, again, just open our eyes, soften our hearts, give us ears to hear all that it is that you have for us today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And we all said, amen, amen. Uh, hey, welcome home, everybody. So glad you made it out to church today. It is a beautiful day, and I know it's tempting to take that long weekend, but you're here, and, and seriously, I, I know that God wants to bless your obedience and your faithfulness by being here today. God wants to speak to you. God wants to meet you here and bring you into a greater life of faith. And so, so glad you're here today. A couple quick things before we dig into the scriptures. We got a potluck lunch today immediately after service. And it's really a bit of a, it's like a family, it's like our first family meeting, okay? First family meeting um, as this new season of a church. And so there's gonna be some table questions. And so find a place to park, eat, Dig in, and then we're going to engage around some of the questions that you'll find on the table. Things about um, the history here, things about the present, and also about the future that you want to see happen. So it's going to be awesome. I hope you can make it. Well, uh, 12-ish to 2. Um, I'm probably going to miss just a little bit of it randomly. Um, the moving truck that had all of our stuff showed up this morning at 9 a.m. And so if you're wondering where Rebecca and the kids are, they're helping put away beds and find homes for boxes. And, uh, and so pray for them. Pray for them and pray for our stuff. Anyway. Um, if this is your church, we've got uh, like a connect pad inside each of the pews. Make sure you fill that out. Make sure that we know that you are here. We also have a series of new cards that you'll find in your pews that help us um, connect with you. And so we've got a new prayer card, and it says prayer on one side and praise on the other. Um, you're welcome to drop that at any point in the offering. But um, now, if you have filled it out during the service um, and, you, and it's already passed, just drop it up up here. And I'll make sure it gets where it needs to go. We also have a brand new welcome card. It's your first time here. Make sure you fill that out and drop it off with me after service. Um, I'd love to say hi to you. We have a new Connect card if you want to start serving here. If you've been here and you've been receiving from God but you haven't been serving back at the church, this is your opportunity. On the back, it gives you options about connections and worship teams and tech teams and all these different things. And so we need more people watching kids. It's going to be awesome. And so fill it out. Fill it out. And lastly, we still have our notes card. So make sure you take notes. We've got a lot to talk about today. You feeling good? Amen. Amen. Cool. All right. Well, welcome home. I'm so happy to be sharing with you uh, from the scriptures today as we continue this series called Foundations. 
Uh, if you missed anything so far, make sure you catch up on the podcast um, through the website. Um, we're also, today is our first day that we're going to be doing a video podcast as well. And so, if, if and, and, and every week, at least as long as technology allows, we're going to be... Um, we're going to be doing our audio of the sermon, but also the video, and so you can pass that around to your friends online and stuff. It's going to be great. Okay, um, so catch up on the podcast if you missed it, because today we're moving on, and we're running alongside last week's conversation of honor um, to talk about the second key piece of culture that, that I and the leadership here believe that God is calling us to embrace um, for what's next as a church, building on this bedrock of faith, and that is the foundation of truth. The foundation of truth. And listen, I know that there's a lot of amazing things that we could be talking about. We could be talking about serving the poor. We could be talking about um, singing louder or giving more money. We could be talking about all these amazing different things, amazing practices that God wants for us as a community. But, but few things, few things affect us the same way as truth. And that's because truth, or, or maybe more accurately, what we believe to be true is our source, and this is what Priscilla was talking about just a moment ago. Our truth is our source. It's our starting point that determines direction. It's our engine for movement and decision-making. What we call true is our beginning and sets the stage for what we're building next, whether it's healthy and strong or whether it's fragile and weak. Truth matters. Like, for example, when I was younger, I, I tried about 25 different jobs to see what would stick. And I remember uh, first I, I started waiting tables, and I loved it. I actually met my friend Rome right up front waiting tables at TGI Fridays in Appleton, Wisconsin. Some of you might have seen him. Make sure you give him a hug after service. He needs it. Um, and I loved waiting tables. It was amazing. Um, but, but I moved on. I, I started installing carpet, which was terrible, by the way. If anyone does it, I, I feel for you. Um, I worked at a daycare once, and, um, and this daycare, like, radically transformed my heart. It, it, it made me a, a vastly better human being in, in the way that I would care for people, and it actually prepared me for being a dad. And so, loved working at a daycare, but it didn't last forever. Um, but then I also, um, I was also a roofer. And I say roofer, and some say roofer, but I say roofer because it has two O's, okay? And, and I, has anyone ever been a roofer? Has anyone ever put a roof on? I know some of you probably have. It is, it's hard, but, but the whole, the basic premise, if you don't know what, what, the, what the idea of what a roof does is, is the whole idea is keeping water and weather out of your house. Um, but to keep water and weather out of your house, uh, you, you need to make sure that the, that the shingle one, shingle number one, and, and, then, and then there's an overlap to shingle number two, and then there's an overlap to shingle number three, and they all overlap the one that you laid before. And, and it makes sense, but what's tricky is to make sure that, that the rows of shingles aren't just straight going across, but also straight going up. And this is actually, believe it or not, defined as, in contractor terms, it's, it's, it's talk about being square or true. Interesting, right? It's true. So what we do is that we would, we would in, to ensure that the rows remain true to form, we would create a constant or a starting point on the roof that everything else would build on and flow from. And so from there, we'd, we'd lay this, this bedrock, and then, and then we would measure six inches up and this was the ideal distance, six inches, um, for the shingles to overlap and, and keep the house free from water and weather. And as long as everything flowed from that starting point, this foundation, that everything moved towards this desired end, and it was very great. Everything would be great. But I remember this one time, 
And I was new on the job. Um, at the time, I was terrible at putting roofs on, and so they made me do cleanup. But one time, people were sick, and they let me have the little nail gun, and it was awesome. Um, and so I got up there, but when I first got started, I set the first row. And, and I started to make my measurements, but instead of the perfect six-inch row, I, I must have slipped on the tape measure or something, and it was about a half-inch off. Half-inch off. Now, you might be thinking, what's a half-inch? Not a big deal, right? Sometimes you're like, I'm six foot. Sometimes I'm six foot one. You know, sometimes I'm six foot and a half, whatever. And so you're right. It's, a half-inch isn't necessarily a big deal, but a half-inch every six inches over the course of 30 feet, that's, that's a little bit bigger of a deal. And it, and it starts to amount to about more than a foot of drift on the course of this roof from where we wanted to be. And so we had to strip it all back and start all the way over because we were a foot off course because the foundation wasn't true. And this is just roofer talk, you know, but I think the same could be said for just about everything in our lives, our friendships, our relationships, our careers, our families, our health, all these different things, our work, where what you define as true and real, from the beginning, it ultimately determines the trajectory of your life. It determines what comes next. What you call true at the start leads you into the future, whether you like it or not. Which, okay, I think we can all, we can all agree about this, but, but what's challenging, and I think this is something we've all experienced today, what's challenging is, what, is when what we believe to be true our starting point isn't always common with others. When what, what's true for me isn't necessarily what's true for you or what's true for your neighbor or true for your sister. And then, and then what do we do? What do we do when our foundations start to lead us in all sorts of different directions? What do we do when society or pop culture or science or even other Christians, when, they, when what they say is real is a half inch off from what we confess to be true? What happens then? What do we do? Because listen, it'll happen. And I imagine it already has happened in your life. There will be differences because we are living in a world that embraces the elasticity of reality. We live in a world where truth has shifted. And you've probably seen this. Where truth has shifted from being discovered to being decided. We live in a world where truth has shifted from absolutes rooted in proof and orthodoxy to personal, subjective, contextual beliefs founded in our feelings. It's changed. And this is where we're at, and this is where we've arrived. As we've been instructed, and maybe you've heard this, to find your own truth. To find your own truth. And it might, it might just be a half inch off from your neighbor. It might just be a half inch off, but, but over the course of a generation, this this shift has led us to an entirely different destination for humanity. And don't, don't get me wrong, some of the changes we've seen have been absolutely incredible. They've been really, really good because God is still good and still works even in our folly, amen? There have been some legitimate and powerful social prog progress that we've seen over the past 50 years here in America with some significant movements towards justice and compassion and equity for those that the world has cast aside. There has been, because God is good and God is still working. 
And I have to believe, and I want to believe that this shift, most of the shift in our, in our understanding of what's true, it came with the best of intentions to welcome in the stranger. It was in, the, it was in the, the name of inclusion and love and acceptance and mercy and happiness. And I have to believe this. But the reality is, and if you're taking notes, I need you to understand this. The reality is, when truth ceases to be absolute, it ceases to be true. And instead becomes an illusion. It becomes an illusion, it becomes a facade, it becomes a shell and a shadow that we chase in our pursuit for what's next. It becomes a deception called relativism. And I understand it, and it makes sense in our, in our day and age. I absolutely understand it, but, but it has captured the attention of the observing world both in and outside of the church. And this is why I believe God is calling us to the second foundation as a community moving forward, the foundation of truth the foundation of absolutes, of what God says. And so, so we can all begin to chart this, chart this new course together from a new starting point on what's true. And, and this is what this morning is all about. It's not about roofing or roofing or waiting tables, whatever. It's just about identifying truth. And so if you have your Bibles, follow me quickly. We're going to be jumping all over the place today. Tons of Bible, tons of scripture, lots of notes to take, but we're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 28. And so open up for me. And listen, I, I know what my job is. I, I, have a, I have an office and I have a description and I have a title and all these different things. But I don't want today to be me just telling you what's true because everyone in the world is trying to tell you what's true. What I want to, this morning to be about is I, I want to simply point to you to truth. I want to point you to truth, to the source of truth, so you can in turn discover what is true. It's not about the symptom, it's about the source. So to get there, to arrive at this source, at this foundation for truth, there are a few steps that I think we need to take. Three steps, actually. And if you're taking notes, write these down. Three steps that will help take us to a life of truth. That is authority, authenticity, and integrity. Authority, authenticity, and integrity. And I tried to find one more word that started with an A that meant integrity, and I just couldn't find it. And so, because AAA, wouldn't that be amazing? You walk out of here, ah, oh, AAA, this is all I need to do. And everyone, anyway. So if you think of anything, let me know, and we'll edit it out of the podcast. But authority, authenticity, and integrity. This is what God wants us to build our lives of truth upon. Starting first with authority. And I know that as soon as I say the word authority, I think some of us in this room, we start to feel like the walls and the ceiling are kind of coming in around us because we get all claustrophobic when we talk about giving up control. When we start talking about giving up who, who we are and, and the things that we care about. But listen, if we want to find what's true, if we want to identify truth, we need to first ask the question, who has the authority to decide? Who has the authority to decide what's true? Because there are a whole lot of mixed messages that we're getting, and we know it. We get them every single day, mixed messages um, as we make our way through this world. But So who gets to decide, and not just for you and not just for me, but for everyone? Who gets to decide what's true? Who decides what's absolute or what's real? Who has the last word when our truths contradict? Who has the last word when what we believe and what someone else believes are at odds with one another? Well, that's where this, this concept of authority comes in and where we see in Matthew chapter 28. So it'll, it'll be on the screen unless you're following along in your Bibles. 
In this passage from Matthew chapter 28, if you've spent any amount of time in the church, I imagine you, you've heard this before. And if you're anything like me, you kind of jump past the first phrase right into the, into the good stuff, the action steps. But, but it's actually in this opening statement that we all find our source. It says this. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples. He told them, but he also told us as his people today. He told them, I have been given all, what's that word? Authority. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, name, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you even to the end of the age. So one more time, good measure in case you missed it. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, I've been given all power, all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and respond accordingly. Go and make disciples. Teach these disciples to obey everything I have told you from my authority. And I am with you even till the end of the age. This is Matthew chapter 28. So somebody tell me. And, and this, is, this is back and forth here. All right, so who, who has the authority? Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so what does he have the authority of? What does Jesus have authority of? Heaven and earth. Awesome, cool. So what exists outside of the heavens, the earth, the skies, the stars, the universe, all the systems that God has made? What, what exists outside of heavens and earth? Nothing. Okay, cool, cool. All right, this is good. So Jesus has over, uh, authority over what? Everything. Okay, this is amazing. There's nothing outside of Jesus' authority. There is nothing outside of his command, but why? Why does Jesus have authority? Check this out. One more, one more passage, Colossians chapter 1. This is like my favorite scripture in the New Testament. It says this, that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. This is why he has authority. He existed before everything, anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He has authority. He has existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. I love this right here. He is the beginning. He is the source. He is supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. And I just love this passage. It's so encouraging, right? Jesus has authority because he is the starting point of all reality. He came first. He came first for us. And he made everything we see and everything we can. Everything was created by him and for him. He has authority. He is the beginning. He is the source of action. He is the first piece and the true cornerstone of this house that God is building. There is nothing outside of God's authority, Jesus' authority in heaven or on earth. So this authority, this authority must be our starting point for what's true. Jesus even confirms it in John chapter 14 when he says, he says, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. If you want to know what's next, look to me, he says. If you want to know what's coming, look to me. If you want to know what's true, you look to me. Jesus has authority over all things, all the time. And that means that everything, and somebody say everything. That sounds good. He has everything must live in surrender to his authority. Everything 
must live in surrender to his authority and support what he says is true. Your feelings, your logic, your reason, your prejudice, your desires, your favorites, your loves, your past, your skepticism, and even the things that you think aren't fair. Your politics, your money, your resources, your time, your sexuality, your fear, your anger, your career, your sickness, everything must surrender to the authority of Jesus and support what he says is true from the scriptures. Everything. Your relationships, your dating, your marriage, your family. We keep going on and on, right? Your insecurities, all the different things. Your hopes, your dreams. Everything must surrender to the ways of Jesus and what he says is true. And this is what we heard from that opening scripture from Paul to his, his spiritual son, Timothy, in chapter 3, where, where, where he says to us that we're to remain faithful to the scriptures because they are useful to teach us what is true. They are useful to help us understand who Jesus is and step into his authority. They're useful to help us understand what's real according to Jesus. And this has to be our first step in this pursuit, in this foundation of truth. It's surrender to Jesus as king, the king of my heart, right? We just sang it has to be that first step. Surrender to Jesus in all things. What he says is true in heaven and on earth is true in us. There is nothing off limits. There's nothing off limits. And this first step, it leads us to step two because it's there at the starting point in his authority that we truly find our authenticity. We find out who we really are by what God says is true about us. And I love that song we just sang. I am who you say I am, right? You are for me, not against me. And I, and, I, and I get this. I get that this one is super personal. If authority didn't make us feel claustrophobic enough, uh, the, the, the authenticity piece, it, it's, it's even worse because it's, it's about us. I mean, how can anyone else decide what's true about us more than we can? How, how can anyone tell me who I am when I don't already know about myself, right? I get it. I get it. I want to be able to make the calls in my life. I want to be able to chart my own course. I, I want to be able to decide my life. It's my life and I want to live it. But, here, but here's what I found, at least in my own experience. And, and, and I'm, I'm not imposing this on you or projecting this on you at all. But I am often too close to the situation to see clearly. I'm too close to me to see me. I get wrapped up in all sorts of stuff. I get wrapped up in all sorts of garbage like doubt and fear and, and insecurity or overconfidence, right? And I fail and I succeed and I create and I destroy. But when I do, I, I'm not always looking at reality objectively. I'm not always looking at my life objectively. I, I almost always see myself through the lens of emotionalism and how I feel. And feelings are important. God has given us feelings so we understand and, and, and connect with God in a different way. But feelings are never meant to control us. So sometimes I'm just too close to the situation. I, I, I'm under the influence of my own environments and immediate contexts. And, and I don't know about you, but, but even though I, I, I want to be able to define who I am, I, self-admittedly, I can be a pretty terrible judge of character. Where, where I prioritize what might look good or, or gives the best results instead of choosing what's best. 
and right. I prioritize this illusion of control, which is again why step two comes in, where we must surrender to his authority, to his truth, and find our authenticity in his goodness in what he says is true about us. And what does God say is true? We just sang about it. We also read about it in Ephesians chapter one, that you too heard the word of truth in Christ, which is the good news of your salvation. This is what God says about us. You were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit because you believed in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the down payment on our inheritance, which is applied towards our redemption as God's own people resulting in the honor of God's glory. If you heard the word of truth, what Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter one, if you have surrendered to God's authority and and, and accepted his truth as your truth, then God says that you are authentically his. Your Your authenticity is rooted in him, that you are authentically loved and saved, that you are authentically sealed for eternity as God's authentically redeemed people. This is who you are. This is the truth of who you are and who we are. Regardless of what you might think or how you might feel or what you believe about yourself, God says that you matter. And we've been talking about this. God says that you matter and that you are loved. And as you submit to his truth, as you submit to his authority, then all of his authority is also with you. And the power is with you through the Holy Spirit. The power to achieve what Matthew chapter 28 talks about. To go and share the good news with the world that needs it most. This is who God says you are, and this is why God says you are for this purpose of Matthew chapter 28, to go and share this good news with the world that needs it most, which is where our step three comes in. Step three, from authority to authenticity, that we would live out authenticity or who God says we are consistently and with integrity. Integrity. And when I say integrity, what I mean is that we would be a people of truth, faithfully and consistently with one another. That we would allow our authority of who is Jesus, his truth, his ways, that we would allow that to determine what we believe to be true, not just about us, but also about others. And this is what we talked about last week when we, when we stepped into honor, a life of honor, that we would see value in all people and that we would respect all people and that we would create equity for all people and hospitality for all people. And, and not because it's fair, but because God said so. And because God said so, it's true. That we would respond in a way because God said so. This is living with integrity. It's hearing what God says is true, independent of our feelings, independent of what makes us comfortable, independent of our justifications and our experience. It's hearing and knowing and responding to what God says with obedience. And I tell you what, this is it. More than any other thing, more than any other service, more than any other song, more than any other outreach or sermon, it's this, it's integrity that God will use to lead a lost world to be found. It's this because it's through our integrity that we reveal what's true about God in our everyday life. Not in a service, not in an event, but in the everyday. It's, it's, it's when we reveal what's true about God and what's true about us, but also what's true about the world. Integrity is the bridge between what we say we believe and what we actually do. And you need to know that it's, it's infectious. Integrity is so very attractive because believe it or not, the world wants to be found. 
the world wants to believe. Deep within us all, there is the fingerprint of God that longs to find its source. We were created in his image and we're all searching, we're all striving, finding these, these temporary satisfactions to fill that emptiness, that fingerprint that we've lost. And we, and we search in things like success, and, and you've probably been here, you, you search in, in family, you search in being busy, you search in, 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 in meaningful relationships, you, you search in sexuality and careers and knowledge, you, you search in all these different things. And it all competes, there are all these different starting points. And they all compete and yet fall short ultimately of fulfilling our desire to know what's true. And I know because I've searched for meaning. I'm sure that we've all asked questions and searched for meaning in all sorts of things that satisfied maybe for a season, but always eventually left us wanting more. And we search for good, in good things, in things that that matter and contribute and yet aren't enough because they weren't the source. They weren't the beginning. They weren't the first piece. And, and I don't know, I don't know where everyone's at today, but, but hear me when I say, you will never find the truth you're looking for in the illusion of self-discovery. It's never gonna happen. You will only find what's true by seeking the way the truth, the life. You only find what you're looking for in surrender to the sole authority of heaven and on earth, the person of Jesus, that's it. And it's the only thing that will leave you satisfied. Jesus says, I'm the living water. Drink from me and you will never thirst again. This is what we're talking about. This is where we find our fulfillment. This is where we find our purpose because this is where we find our truth. This is where we find our first piece, our starting point, that all of life, all of life's trajectory is built upon. And this is the dream. This is, this is the dream that God has for the world and for his church and for us as his church, that we would find our hope, that we'd find our confidence, that we would find our truth in the authority of Jesus, the maker of heaven and earth. And what I love so much about this calling from God, what I love so much about this, 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 um, this foundation that he's inviting us to build is that, that you, you don't have to be ready to start building. You don't have to get everything sorted out. You don't have to figure out all the details. All you have to do is decide that I, I, wanna, I wanna step into this truth that God has for me. That's all you have to do. It's just, it's a leap of, it's a leap of faith to leave, to leave your inclusive truth that you have formed that has always left you wanting to leave it in the past and to step into the new way, the new truth, the new life. And that's what I love so much about this calling is that, that it's, it's, not, it's not for advanced students, it's for everyone here. We can all, regardless of how you were when you walked in here today, we can all make an intentional move towards truth. We can all make that choice. And for some of us, it, it might actually be at the very beginning, breaking down your house uh, to the studs because somewhere along the line, a half inch was added a half inch was added from your belief and, and now your faith seems totally foreign to where it started. Maybe that's it for some of us and, and, and it has to start with deconstruction, right? Getting it back down and, and remeasuring. But for others, maybe it's just acknowledging that Jesus isn't simply Lord for eternity, that he isn't just saved you for later, that he actually wants to be the king of your life today. 
and the authority for your decision-making today, that he has, that he has power over all things, all the time, and your, your first step is simply obedience. It's simply surrendering to him, laying all you are, everything you are, because God wants to use it all. Lay everything you are on the altar before him and just say, God, all I have is yours. I, I want what's true. Maybe for you, it's finally believing all the things God has said about you. I can't tell you how many people I've sat across the table from that have believed in Jesus and given their life to Jesus, but still thinks that God hates them. So maybe today is the day that you actually step into a new understanding, believing the truth that he has spoken about you, but also over you, about who he made you to be. Because God has made you, God has made you to not just coast from here to heaven, God has made you for a very specific purpose, Matthew chapter 28, to go and do, to show the world what God is like all the time, everywhere. And so maybe today is the day that you finally listen and you finally agree that I am not this depraved sinner that I once was, but because of Jesus, I am now welcomed into God's family. There's room for me in the house. I don't know, maybe, lastly, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're stuck in fear about what God has said about others and you're just so afraid to believe that God might love someone that doesn't look like you or think like you or someone that maybe hurt you or left you hanging. And there's this sense of like, all right, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay with God loving me, but I can't imagine God loving someone else. And so there's this lack of integrity between what you say you believe and how you act that you need to confess to God today. I, I don't know, whatever it is. I, I, I know that a lot of us here today, we're, we're doing just fine. You believe what is true about Jesus and, and you want to live in a, 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 accordingly, but I, I just want you to know that at some point, we start, to, we start to get our measurements off, even with the best of intentions. And that's why we have grace. That's why we have Jesus. But it, even with the best of intentions, even the best, the most precision tape measure you'll get, at some point, we get it wrong. And so at some point, we'll need to, again, return to this surrender to God's authority, to return to his ways, to return to his truth, and, and to say, to say, yes, Jesus, I, all I have is yours. I just want your truth. And so whatever it is today, I, I, and again, I don't, know, I don't know everyone here. I can't wait to meet you more at Potluck over hot dish, you know what I'm saying? I hope someone brought some of the buffalo chicken dip. Anyone bring in buffalo chicken dip? Is that a Midwestern thing? It's like the shredded chicken with hot sauce and cream cheese. You're saying I don't need it. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Okay. I'll try to find some for the Packer game later. Anyway. But I don't know, I don't know where everyone is at today. I want to. I just know where I'm at, and I know that every single day, I need to confess before God that you are Lord. Every single day, I need to get out of my own way and give authority back to Jesus. Every single day. It's something we all need to do because there is this, there's this lure, the illusion of control is always begging for our attention the illusion of safety, the illusion of reason and rationality, but 
It's always, it's always in the back of our mind, trying to call us back away from the authority of God. And that's why every single day we need to return. We need to return to the altar and lay it all before him. There's no getting around it. And so I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know how God is speaking to you right now. I know that God is speaking and God is here and he wants to call you whether you're 16 or 65 or 95. He's always calling us into a greater life of faith and obedience. And that life is always starting on what he says is true and with his authority. And so as we, the, the band is going to come on up and they're going to lead us. Um, thank you, band, for leading us. And they're going to lead us in just a simple song of surrender, a, sing, a, single, uh, a simple song of, uh, I would say, even recalibration of recognition for all of us, regardless of what, where we came today, that we can say, maybe starting point, maybe it's the first time you've ever sung it, maybe this is the hundredth time you've, you, you've sung it, I don't, I don't care. But this is a moment that we can all come before God today. And we can say, I surrender all. I surrender all. And so as we do, the band is going to lead us in this moment. It's going to be beautiful. And then we're going we're gonna to have a great afternoon. It's a beautiful day. But the two questions I just want you to, to walk away with, if, if, you are, if you are a questioning person, is simply, where, where do I, where does my heart, where does my mind source what's true? First question. And just be honest. Where do I source what's true? And second, where is my truth at odds with what Jesus says is true? And that is a hard, hard question. Where are the disconnects in my life between what, I, what, I, what I'm acting? Where's that break in integrity, the bridge, you know, between belief and obedience? Where, where are those gaps between what I, what I profess to be true and how I'm actually living? Because this is, this is it. Like, we don't, we don't have another life. We get one. This side of heaven to represent Jesus well. And this is it. If we aren't starting on this beginning, if we aren't starting on this bedrock, this foundation of what Jesus says is true on his authority, then, then we're going to be a half inch off our whole life. And God might love us and God might save us and we might be his redeemed people, but we will, we will waste so much of our life building on a surface that's fragile and weak and always leaves us wanting more. So what is it that we need to surrender to God today? What is it that we need to lay on the altar before him? He is worthy, he is just, he is loving, and he is waiting to bring purpose to the mess that was your life. He's, he's just waiting to bring purpose to your questioning. He's waiting to bring purpose to your doubt. And he's calling you even now into this, this life of, of, of hope and joy and love and forgiveness. If we would just, if we would just, and this sounds so weird in 21st century America, if we would just bow and surrender to him, if we would just, if we would just submit, you know, submit our lives and lay everything we are on the altar before him, what's got to go? What's well, got to go? Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. What a gift it is to be your church. What a challenge it is what you're calling us into here. 
to live on this foundation of truth. God, we, we, I know that we believe it in theory, but God, to live this is such a challenge. Because God, we, have, we, we are getting hit from all sides. All sides, every single day, about what is true and what isn't. So God, we're here for an hour and 20 minutes on a Sunday and it's supposed to fill us up for the week, but God, it's just, we need, we need more of you and we need more surrender from us. God, to your authority. God, open our eyes to who you are. Open our hearts to your goodness. God, help us see the life that you're calling us into. God, a life of freedom and hope, but also a life of surrender and sacrifice for your name. So God, we love you and we thank you. We don't know why you love us. It doesn't make any sense. And yet you do and you're calling us to more. And so God, in this moment, God, we're all gonna stand in this room and we're gonna sing. We're gonna sing our hearts out. We're gonna say, God, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender. Because we want this to be the declaration of our heart and also the foundation of this church. So God, open our eyes, soften our hearts, be with us. Meet us here again in this moment of surrender. And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray, the name that is above all names, the maker of heaven and earth, God. The name of Jesus, and we all said, amen. Let's stand and sing this last song together.